Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Hey, what's up, everyone? How are you? Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks. Hi, hi. So exciting news. We're getting some, what do we call it? Advertising, not, right? Not products. Not products. <laughs> uh, but we are going to get some advertising. And in order to help us out, it would be awesome if you could click the link uh, in the description of this episode. Fill out a little survey so we know what we so we know what you want, uh, so the advertisements uh, can actually be worthwhile and not drive you completely insane. And the information is confidential. We don't take emails or names or anything. You're not going to get on any kind of weird list or anything like that. Yep. It just helps us out. Awesome. Thank you all so much. Hail yourselves and enjoy this episode. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on Shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks. Hey, Ben. Marcus, I was going to be a vegetarian for 10 minutes last night, <laughs> but then I changed my mind. Why? I saw, I, well, I remembered how much I liked the meat. Uh, it was a problem, but I might do it. So wait, no, why did you be- want to become a vegetarian? There was the first a commercial place? with a cow, <laughs> and it was, the, it was a very cute cow, and it was, it was talking, and I have no idea. Uh, I don't think I'd seen the commercial before. It got me. Uh, yeah. It got me. Uh-huh. But, you know, anyway, I've changed my ways. I also want to thank Lynn. What's sh- we got some beef jerky sent to us <laughs> right in time. Right in time. Lynn, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah, Lynn Hoagland out of Antelope, California. Sending some wonderful, wonderful beef jerky. I love Ooh. it. I'm going to be taking that weapons-grade beef jerky home with me later and having a good old time. Unbelievable. Well, it makes it sound like you're going to do something other than eat it. <laughs> Having a good old time with beef jerky. Put some googly eyes on it. Maybe those like little fur feet. Make it a person. Uh, We got a lot of stuff to get to today. So basically, we have a new war on drugs. We're kicking that back up Mm -hmm. because it worked so great the first time. (laughs) Why not? Uh, Donald Trump in this proposal in his new um, plan to combat the opioid crisis, which is a very real crisis. 64,000 folks died last year. We're on par. Uh, We're on track to beat that this year. When it comes to opioid overdoses and um, and other deaths that are caused by the opioid epidemic, they are branding it the crisis next door. Yeah. So it's uh, you know right out of M Night Shyamalan's playbook. It's horrifying. <laughs> it's obviously uh, a tagline to. Stir up fear amongst the people. And for more on the crisis next door, go to crisisnextdoor.gov. .gov. That's true. There it is. Of course <laughs> it is. So, uh, interestingly enough, we'll get into uh, some of the ins and outs of this. But interestingly enough, Donald Trump, when he travels around the world, 
uh, when he meets with dictators, he finds himself uh, in agreement with them on most things, which is kind of horrifying. Morning, so he talked to uh, the uh, the leader of Xi, uh, the leader of China, Xi Jinping, who is going to be the leader for life mm-hmm. uh, because he just put himself into the constitution. He and Mao, right there in the uh, in the Chinese constitution, basically uh, reassuring. Uh, that he will have power once again for life, at least until 2027, but it'll be much uh, further than that. And, of course, when he goes to the Philippines, uh, talks to Duarte. Uh, He loves this guy because they're cracked down on drug users and, of course, because they implement the death penalty for drug dealers. I think it is actually Duterte. Duterte. Duarte, Duterte, I don't (laughs) care. It's an asshole either way. Absolutely. And of course, the leader of Singapore as well. He goes over to these places and he was, uh, this is a quote. He says, I ask him, I say, where's the drugs? Do you have a drug problem? And they say, no, we have no problems. I said, how? How is it possible? He says, no mercy, zero tolerance. We need that in this country. Uh. Death penalty. And the crowds go crazy. And of course, when he's talking to a lot of these crowds, many of them, either themselves or uh, family members, have, uh, have opioid addictions and they are the ones who are suffering uh, in this epidemic. And now he wants to basically put them in jail. We're not going to incarcerate our way uh, out of this issue. So we also have a situation happening regarding Mike Pompeo, Gina Haspel, John Bolton, and Larry Kudlow. They're the newest contestants in this reality show White House. <laughs> Mike Pompeo, formerly of the CIA, he's now become, uh, he might become Secretary of State. Gina Haspel might become the leader of the CIA. Uh, Bolton will be a national security advisor, and Larry Kudlow will take over where Gary Cohn le- uh, left off and become a chief economic advisor. Controversial specifically when it comes to Gina Haspel and Bolton. Also, Cudlow a little bit controversial, and we'll get into that uh, coming up here a little bit later on on the show. We also have to do a quick recap on what happened in Pennsylvania in the congressional district, the 18th district. Connor Lamb did beat uh, Rick Saccone, very close election. So that is a great reminder to get out there and vote. This has caused, um, caused a couple of ripples within the Democratic Party. Of course, Connor Lamb being a real moderate, a real centrist in most issues, uh, specifically if you look at his abortion uh, stance, he, like Joe Biden, is pro-life. He has said he will vote with the Democratic Party, and at the end of the day, the vote is what matters the most. And also, of course, he is uh, very pro-gun. He is Uh, A little bit more hawkish in the fact that he was a former Marine. Uh, He is very pro-union, which is one of those areas where uh, a lot of Republicans and Democrats agree that they want to have uh, a strong union, specifically in states like Pennsylvania. Being Being a strong union guy is an asset. So he's sort of having the Democratic uh, Party or the uh, causing the Democratic Party to have a few questions about where to go forward in the 2018 elections. I think, as I said before, look at where these people are running and base your uh, candidate off of the locality. You know, we can't just have a general base or a general um, set of rules that all Democratic nominees have to fall under because, uh, as we saw in Alabama and now as we saw in Pennsylvania, moderate Democrats can win in, in extremely red areas. Absolutely. I, I think it would uh, be – I mean, I think the Democrats could should take some uh, look at – You know, I think they should look at the Republicans' playbook just a little bit here. And I think what we might be seeing is uh, – we might be seeing the breakup of the two-party system here. I mean, when you look at the Republicans and how many different offshoots they're starting to get and have been getting since the rise of the Tea Party a few years ago, well, you know, 
it could we could be seeing uh, the breakup of these monolithic parties with you know just one uh i mean when you look at just how american life is in general sure. we're so uh everything's so niche everything's so fragmented and right. it might get to be the exact same way uh when it comes to political parties and As that might be, be a good thing well and that's the way it was for a very long time and i think it's been in the most more recent history uh, where people have sort of had to coalesce under a national party because obviously we are more connected than ever, which is leading to so much peace. Everyone's getting <laughs> along so well. All loving it so much. But I think we're getting back to the idea again, the Tip O'Neill cliche, all politics are local, and that's exactly how you have to treat them. Because in this election with Connor Lamb, I believe he ended up winning by 700, just over 700 mm-hmm. votes, which is, uh, you know, that is a, a nail biter to say the least. Didn't quite get over 50%, um, but nonetheless, he was... Uh, a heck of a race uh, for him to run and win. Also, Rick Saccone, further proof that bad candidates uh, lose. That's mm-hmm. just what happens, uh, regardless of brand recognition. Obviously, again, we don't have to harp on this over, but uh, you know, Donald Trump winning that uh, district by 20 points. Uh, Tim Murphy, the guy who held that seat before, uh, winning cons- usually, if he was contested at all, by 18 percentage points or so. Of course, he did get into a scandal. He'd been a pro-life Republican. He had a small affair, and then he promised to get that girl uh, or his, um, his mistress an abortion. Mm-hmm. Turns out she was never pregnant to begin with. So that was a mistake. <laughs> he really biffed that one up. If he, I think he might have been able to survive the affair, but mm. the um, the uh, trying to convince her to get an abortion was the thing that really kind of set people off there. Oh, of course, as a Republican, if you have an affair, all you have to say is that I had a conversation with the Lord last sure. night, and he told me that I was forgiven, and so I've forgiven myself, so please, everyone stand up and applaud me for forgiving and myself. And of course, the Lord is Jerry Falwell Jr. <laughs> we all know that. <laughs> or James it. Dobson, either one. Oh my God, I watched the 700 Club the other night. How was it? Pat Robertson is still alive. Yeah. I mean, it is stunning that he is still around. It's interesting because he is quite an environmentalist these days. Really? He does not, he does believe in global warming, which is always kind of those, one of those weird things where he's like, we got to protect the environment, all this kind of stuff. But then he immediately goes back to being totally, completely Pat Robertson. Mm -hmm. 700 Club. Great segments. Great segments. Great news packages. News packages? Great news packages. (laughs) It's the best. You have to check them out. Um, All right. We also want to talk a little bit about this Cambridge Analytica story. This is kind of breaking news today, right? It kind of it came out in the New York Times, BBC Channel Four. They have so many channels over there, and they're cleverly named BBC (laughs) One through Four. If you get a chance, and you are uh, if you're in the UK, and the show might be on Netflix, check out uh, Embarrassing Bodies. It It is the I don't I don't know how to. It's an adventure. It's an adventure. (laughs) It's like my 600 pound life meets like. Um, the worst porn you ever saw. <laughs> it is. It's very graphic. Uh, you're w- in the market for buttholes, to, but Ooh. just like regular everyday. No, not Joe regular. Butt- no, embarrassing. <laughs> embarrassing. No, but I mean the buttholes of your regular everyday Joe on the street in London. I first caught that show when we were in Scotland uh, mm-hmm. doing our live show, and I. I was stunned. I was stunned. I was like, where's all the gun violence that I'm used to? They have no violence, no. but they just really show a lot of ish- it's people just, with issues. It's just game shows and buttholes. That's yeah. all it is on the BBC. BBC, yes. They also uh, had an interesting article or uh, an interesting um, 
uh, news story about this Cambridge Analytica story. Basically, what happened is Steve Bannon, along with uh, I believe it's Robert Mercer of the mm-hmm. Mercer family, people talk about the Soros, uh, the Soros family, and the Koch brothers, Koch brothers, whatever, however you want to pronounce it. The Mercer family is a huge donor for uh, the Republican Party. Rebecca Mercer, uh, specifically, even almost more involved in some ways. Uh, when it comes to Steve Bannon, then then Robert Mercer. So Steve Bannon and uh, Robert Mercer, they paid fifteen million bucks to start up this company for the most part, this Cambridge Analytical company. And because of that data that this firm was able to collect, I believe what was it, twenty six thousand or one hundred twenty six thousand? Twenty six thousand Facebook. Sur- they get they, took, they did surveys. They did surveys with people's consent. They did uh, right. They did surveys with twenty six thousand Facebook users about uh, income and political beliefs and things like right. that. But then after that, they used a technique called scraping, mm. uh, in which they sort of spidered out onto those people's friends list, and through that spidering out, they were able to grab the information of 50 million people. All right. So, and with that information, they disseminated, quite honestly, just a lot of misinformation. Mm -hmm. And as I, uh, there was, I read an an article in sciencemag.com last week about how people tend to be uh, the catalyst for most misinformation online. We get a lot of conversations recently about bots. The bots are doing it, but really, it turns out the majority of misinformation spread online is through people. And this Cambridge Analytica uh, story is a great example of how it spreads so fast. Misinformation. They had one. Uh, they said uh, accurate news information reaches about a thousand people. Misinformation reaches around ten thousand people on average. Because, as Marcus uh, told me before the show, and I agree with, misinformation's fun. It's, Fake news is more fun than the truth. It's so much more fun. And one of the guys that did the story uh, that you were talking about, talking about fake news spreading faster yeah. than real news, he pretty much says the same thing. He says, false news is more novel and people are more likely to share novel information. People who share novel information are seen as being in the know. Right. So in other words, sharing fake news, it makes you feel smart. It, it makes, makes you, you feel smart. It makes you feel right. smarter. And it, it's we're just finding out more and more with the internet is how... Much people love to feel smart and And how much they love to feel smarter than everybody else and how many problems that's really causing. Absolutely. And uh, so then finally, we have the firing of Andrew McCabe. Have we touched on that quite yet? We have not talked about Andrew McCabe at all, no. All right. So this man, uh, he worked for the FBI for 21 years. Uh, He was the number two in command, basically their chief operating officer. Mm -hmm. He was 26 hours away from retirement, 26 hours away from getting a full pension, mm-hmm. going on. I don't know what people do with a pension. Maybe he would. I, does he build beach, a wall? Beach house. Beach maybe house. a beach house. Yeah, I'm thinking beach house. I don't know. He's former FBI, so maybe he just makes a bunch of snipers nests in his yard. I have no idea how uh, this guy wants to relax. 26 hours before he would have received a full pension. And uh, this is, again, another indicator uh, of the difference between being rich and being classy, mm. uh, regardless of how you feel about McCabe or the FBI or uh, what he even did uh, well uh, in charge of the Hillary Clinton campaign and also having some involvement in the Russian investigation, the Russian collusion investigation. 
What a classless move to fire the guy 26 day or 26 hours before he would receive a full pension, all because his wife ran for Virginia State Senate. Terry McAuliffe gave money to uh, McCabe's wife's okay. uh, campaign. And of course, Terry McAuliffe is a huge like Hillary Clinton ally. Uh, and what they did was they actually put a rush on the firing, because a lot of times when you fire uh, an FBI official, there are hearings, there are all kinds of things that have to go into you know, essentially taking a person's pension away. Right. Uh, and the Trump admin or the FBI, I guess, under the on the or I guess the Department of Justice on the behest of the Trump administration, because it was not Donald Trump himself who fired Andrew McCabe. Uh, it was uh, the Department of Justice under Jeff. This is a Jeff Sessions uh, move. And it was interesting that that did come out that way. Uh, so, yes, he was there for 21 years. And the question is, why was he fired? Was it just petty politics? Uh, that definitely played a role in it. He was also questioned as part of a wide-ranging internal inquiry into the FBI's handling of the Clinton investigation and other matters. And this is what Jeff Sessions said. He said Mr. McCabe, Mr. McCabe lacked candor, including under oath, on multiple occasions. That is a fireable offense, and Mr. Sessions said that career apolitical employees at the FBI and Justice Department agreed that Mr. McCabe should be fired. As uh, at issue is whether Mr. McCabe was forthcoming with investigators about what Mr. Sessions said was, quote, unauthorized disclosure to the news media. So we hear a lot about leaks. Where are the leaks coming from? Uh, what they're implying here is that McCabe was a potential White House leaker. Therefore, they fired him again 26 hours before he would have received a full pension. There is no real hard evidence that he did so-called lack candor or anything like that. And again, uh, this seems to be very political and very petty. Well, the inspector general's report is what's supposed to tell us that all of this, uh, what actually happened here. Uh, but that's not out till the springtime. Uh, right. So we've got a long time before we find out exactly what happened there. And until then, we're, we're just not going to know unless there's another leak. And to, oh, I'm, <laughs> There might be, unless they get some Flex Seal in that White House. My favorite commercial of all. I want oh, Flex Seal Flex. so bad. I love Fle Every time Flex Seal's on TV, I get excited. I just want to saw a boat in half and fix it. <laughs> so to Marcus's point, Trump didn't technically fire uh, McCabe, but he has used his the power of Twitter, which mm. Donald Trump has ruined that platform forever, along with Twitter themselves doing the best they can to make their platform completely uh, unuser-friendly. But Donald Trump has tweeted out multiple times about Andrew McCabe, including uh, December 23rd. He said, FBI Director Andrew McCabe is racing the clock to retire with full benefits. 90 days to go, question mark, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. point. Three, <laughs> question mark, exclamation point, exclamation point. I don't know if he wanted the question mark there or not, but nonetheless, he's very enthusiastically asking a question <laughs> he also tweeted but what, what is it asking what question i don't know nine <laughs> i think it's more 90 days to go <laughs> i don't know why didn't age this is another donald trump tweet why didn't attorney general sessions replace acting fbi director andrew mccabe a comey friend who was in charge of uh was in charge of clinton investigation but uh, but got I don't know what that but means. But got dot dot dot. But got was dot that, dot dot. Was he? Was that like kind of one of two tweets? It must have been. I'm not sure. I don't see the other tweet on here. But nonetheless, so Donald Trump has been actively criticizing McCabe for a long time. Problem is that acting head of the FBI and person in charge of Hillary investigation, Andrew McCabe, got seventy thousand dollars from H for seven hundred thousand dollars from Hillary for wife. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. And uh, McCabe's lawyer saying that this distortion of the process begins at the very top with the president's repeated offensive drive-by Twitter attacks on Mr. McCabe. Drive-by Twitter attacks. <laughs> what a time to be alive, folks. <laughs> the president is doing drive-by, could just travel back in time, not even that far, like travel back, travel back to just have a meeting with Truman Ugh. and just tell Truman just like, hey, in 2018, the president is going to be accused of drive-by Twitter attacks. Oh, he's got to be fired. He's got to be gone. <laughs> but he's not going to know what the hell you're talking. Drive-by Twitter attacks is just, it doesn't, it, it, it's not something it's that, that should be uh, used in relation to the president of the United States. So the larger question here when it comes to McCabe is Russia, obviously. Uh, Mueller was actually mentioned for the first time by name in a tweet today, this this is Monday, by Donald Trump. Although he's mentioned he's he's mentioned special counsel. Mm-hmm. He's mentioned the investigation. He's basically mentioned Robert Mueller before, but he does seem to get a, he is, does seem to be a little bit more aggressive mm-hmm. or a little bit more confident. Uh, these days than he has been in the past. So like so much at the FBI, Mr. McCabe's firing has become linked to the Mueller investigation. Uh, Mr. McCabe was one of the only a handful of FBI officials involved in the Russia investigation from the first days. He supervised it at every step and was involved in the decision to seek a wiretap on Carter Page, which, of course, was very significant when you remember the Nunes memo and the Democratic memo, uh, the Carter Page FISA warrant, all that kind of stuff. That was really one of the um, cornerstones of the controversy and why they released all the memos and things like that. So McCabe has had his hands uh, in the Russian collusion pot for a long time. And this was, again, an opportunity for the DOJ and Donald Trump to uh, to take out petty political problems and uh, just uh, refuse the man his retirement. I mean, is is it possible that the reason why, because Trump is definitely, especially over this weekend, has gotten, he feels pretty confident in, uh, in his standing over the weekend. Is it just because of the you know White House shakeups? It's just more and more people that told him no are leaving? Well, there has been a lot of shakeup uh, in the White House, and we can move to that now. It's interesting who he's choosing to replace these people with. Mike Pompeo, as we said earlier, the former head of the CIA, he's a very hawkish person. He Mm. is in agreement with Donald Trump when it comes to the Iran uh, deal. He doesn't agree with it. Uh, When it comes to North Korea, he's much, much more hawkish uh, than, uh, than Rex Tillerson was. Tillerson getting very little bit of respect or a little bit he's not getting enough credit in my personal opinion for negotiating what looks to be potential talks between Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump I'm not sure if Mike Pompeo would have necessarily gone that road or gone that route when it comes to uh, diplomacy I think uh, Tillerson preferred the carrot Pompeo is more of a stick guy so that's an interesting area where he does agree with Iran, but I'm not so sure if he would uh, if he is as interested in uh, conversating uh, with the uh, North Koreans as Rex Tillerson was. We'll see if that policy changes. Right now, that seems to be headed in the right direction. There, there is the talk. The talk of the talks is still uh, being discussed. So that looks like it might happen, but that'll be a little bit uh, away, a couple of months. At least they have to figure out exactly what to do going forward. Gina Haspel is really the most controversial choice here to be head of the CIA. A lot of people are worried about uh, her getting borked. Uh, Robert Bork, of course, the person 
who was nominated for the Supreme Court in the 80s uh, who was denied because, uh, well, he said one thing. He, he called the Supreme Court something like a very exciting place. He called the, uh, the Supreme Court intellectual, like an intellectual playground or something like that. And then, of course, they also accused him of uh, being a little bit uh, not, 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 what's, what's the word, Marcus? Activist Bork, yeah. yeah, they borked, they they borked him. He probably would have been a, f- a fine Supreme Court justice, but mm. uh, Gina Haspel having a little bit of problems uh, or potential problems when it comes to her nomination. Intellectual feast, intellectual feast. That's what he <laughs> called it. Uh, and so people saw that as maybe someone who uh, didn't necessarily have the mentality suited to be a lifetime appointee to uh, the most powerful court. In the land, therefore, possibly the most powerful court in the world. I mean, Gina Haspel. I mean, the whole thing is that it's the torture stuff. It's you know, the torture. It is which, the torture uh, stuff. Which, on you know, in, in Trump's mind, is a plus. Oh, sure. I mean, he definitely would like to bring it back, and that's something that, uh, again, he 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 learns from the worst, and he doesn't have any problem with that. He likes a strong person. In this case, it would be the first female head of the CIA. So I suppose from uh, that perspective, that's a good thing. Breaking the glass ceiling, all she had to do was torture to get there, I suppose. <laughs> but it was 2003. She was in charge of these black sites, specifically in Thailand. That seems to be the area that is most talked about. She uh, was in charge of interrogating this guy, Abud. Uh, Abu, rather, and I've mispronounced his last name so dang bad, so I won't even bother trying to do it. Basically, there is... Uh, some conversation of her being seem, seemingly enjoying watching the man be waterboarded, talking about how she likes to watch him drool. It makes the whole thing more authentic and realistic. This was a much different time for the country. Everything she did was technically legal under U.S. law at the time. Um, and the, I guess the main question is, do we relitigate the early 2000s? Do we relitigate the torture? I mean, again, another irony is that Donald Trump campaigned uh, against the Iraq war, really destroyed uh, uh, Jeb Bush because of what W. Bush did, went after these people uh, for being um, too hawkish on foreign policy, and now he's appointing people who were aiding and abetting that administration's ideas and policy specifically, again, when it comes to torture. So I don't know exactly if that's going to be enough to uh, stop her nomination. John McCain, he's still at it, uh, said he will oppose her. And Rand Paul, libertarian when inconvenient, Rand Paul has said that he will also oppose her. Of course, Mike Pence has the tie-breaking uh, vote. We don't know if he'll have to do it. It's it's going to be tough for her. Right now it looks like maybe 49-51, uh, and because obviously no Democrats are going to be supporting Gina Haspel anytime soon. It just doesn't make any political sense for them to do so. Uh, so who knows? We'll, we'll see if she ends up getting through or not. Maybe, but I, I, if I were to bet, I would say she's going to get through. I interviewed Mike Baker, and you can listen to that on the uh, on the Fox News radio show. And you know, he was you know he's obviously former CIA, did not vote for Donald Trump. There are again a lot of people, even Republicans, who don't like Gina Haspel because of the torturous past. He's totally on board with it. He thinks this is Donald, one of Donald Trump's better picks. Uh, so I guess uh, you know there are some establishment people. Uh, that supporter, such as Mike Baker, um, and really at this point, again, there are so few adults in the room with Donald Trump. There are people who believe she is an adult and she would bring uh, a level of stability to the White House, obviously a long history with the CIA. The only black mark, which is a significant black mark to say the least, is the black site torture. 
uh, of certain individuals in Thailand. So we'll see if, they, if, if that holds up the whole thing or if inevitably they push her through. It really could. Uh, I think that she will most likely, as you said, I think she will most likely get through. I don't know who else is there. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I don't like it. You know, I, I don't I don't like the fact that, you know, the, the CIA is going to be somebody who was a uh, very for torture, uh, who was who was into it, you know, doing their job as they all say doing their yeah, job. But that also, you know, that tells you a lot about because you know, torture is proven to not work. Like, oh my torture, gosh, of torture course. doesn't work. And so you're you've got somebody that's going into, you know, had the CIA uh, that is a big proponent of a tactic that does not work. And that tells you that she will keep doing things that do not work. Well, uh, obviously, at this point, the U.S., we have changed uh, policies when it comes to torture. And, you know, it was a uh, we have to put ourselves in that time. You remember early 2000s, everyone was like. 9-11 is going to happen tomorrow. Once again, it could happen on 7-01, you know, whatever, whatever date it is. That was the, we had the um, color alert system for oh, how, how orange, what, orange alert, orange alert. alert. <laughs> what does that mean? Oh, nothing. Just go about your day. It's red alert. Go about your day. Like it was the dumbest thing ever. Yeah. It was you remember a, that mean, frenzy that the country had. I, I, rem- mean, I remember that, but so. it's also a time when a lot of people showed their character. Well, it was a time where she could have made a different choice. That's yeah. for certain. Um, and you're right. We did not receive, to my knowledge, any real credible information from torture. If you were, you know, if you just told me that I couldn't play video games for a night or something like this, I would tell you anything. Yeah. And so that's kind of exactly what happened. Um, and she, yeah, she was definitely a part of it. So it's, it's interesting to see. We talk about this all the time. You, we can regress, yeah. and I think a lot of people are concerned if she now is in charge of the CIA, do we regress back to those tactics? Because, again, Donald Trump is someone who loves, who loves hard rhetoric, and he loves the idea of torture just as a, an extension of his own bravado. Of course. You know, we're, we're regressing in, in many, many, many different ways. Uh, and it's, you know, we've talked about this before, you know, that Donald Trump is angry grandpa. He's, he's if your angry grandpa became president. And that's why I think a lot of people are coming out to these elections, these special elections. Uh, I think they're coming out to fight against angry grandpa. And I think it, it's definitely up to us. It's definitely up to the voters uh, to make sure that we don't regress fully. Because if we let this go, the regression right. is not going to stop. Right. Uh, it's just it's just not that. That's what they proved over the last year and a half. Sure. Uh, is that the regression, the rollbacks of so many regulations, the rollbacks of so many rules, you know, how many uh, different, like just taking so many things just off of websites, those small, tiny little things like that, taking protections uh, away, uh, that regression, it's not going to end anytime soon. And that's why we have to get these people out of office. Well, there were some things that needed to be pulled back. but Of course uh, there were some things that needed to be pulled back, but, but there's, but there's a that lot point, that's though, being pulled back. Uh, but to that point, well, specifically in this, I think this is where Donald Trump is becoming very hypocritical, specifically when he talks about being against the Iraq war. That was really an area that, again, he harped on in 2016. And to his credit, he was actually against the Iraq war from basically the beginning. Although there were some early interviews where he was, it's Donald Trump. So, (laughs) but 
for the most part, the consistent theme was that he was against it. Well, he but now ha- he wants to put in John Bolton. Uh, now he wants to have John Bolton be a national security, uh, security advisor. An interesting thing with John Bolton is he was one of the architects of the Iraq War, an enemy of multilateralism and foe of the United Nations, where he served during the George W. Bush administration through a recess appointment when he could not win in the Senate, conf- not win a Senate confirmation. He's also a harsh critic of the Iran deal and of North Korea, very hawkish on North Korea. He wants to preemptively go to war with them. So now we have a situation where we have a president who is a bit more of an isolationist, anti-interventionalist in theory. Obviously, we had the 56 missiles uh, going over to Syria, but that was relatively light. Uh, And he hasn't been proactive in uh, increasing the boots on the ground when it comes to Syria, Iraq, uh, and all ba- so many places all around uh, all around the world that we theoretically could make a case uh, to go into war. Uh, you know, uh, Myanmar just being one of them as well, or Yemen. There's all there's so many places, um, and obviously we still have a footprint over in the Middle East. There's no denying that. But he's not so proactive in expanding that. You get the feeling he just kind of wants the Russians to take care of it, uh, and uh, whatever they do. Uh, is probably going to be in the greater good for the United States. That's that's kind of uh, the U.S. foreign policy when it comes to Syria. Hands off, let Putin handle it. Putin, by the way, just won re-election. 77%. Huh, pretty close. <laughs> pretty close by Russian standards. Um, so he's surrounding himself now with people who are completely opposite of what his worldview was supposed to be, uh, specifically the worldview that he ran on as president, and really a worldview that he's kept to, for the most part, when it comes to being anti-interventionalist. So we'll see if this is another situation where six months from now, just like what happened with Tillerson, uh, just like what happened with Gary Cohn, uh, just like what happened, uh, I guess, uh, to a lesser degree with Steve Bannon, if he can deal with a disagreement. And because these people are certainly going to be disagreeing with him on his foreign policy unless which seems to be the thread, which seems to be a recent theme, as Donald Trump continues to marinate in power, he's becoming more comfortable with the idea of utilizing that power he's given. So perhaps these people are an indicator that Donald Trump does want to go in more of a hawkish direction on foreign policy, does want to get rid of his more um, America first, uh, to use that cliché, um, stance on foreign policy and become a little bit more of a W. Bush uh, than uh, than a anti-interventionalist, uh, I suppose, libertarian to some degree. And once again, who's going to pay for this? Like, well, if, we if are. We, yeah, if we if we get into how how is all this stuff going to get paid for? Especially, you know, we mentioned at the beginning of the show the opioid crisis. You know, right. uh, how are they going to pay for this huge push that they're about to make in arrests? I mean, it's it's millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. It's going to yeah. Let's let's transition on here to the opioids. Speaking of Donald Trump, sort of getting again. I really believe he's he's getting used to power. And he's getting more confident, perhaps going back to what Marcus mentioned when it comes to him tweeting about Mueller. You know, he does seem to have a little bit more bravado, a little bit more confidence now in his position. Again, I think he's he's marinating in power and he is really uh, beginning uh, to enjoy the scent of it. When it comes to the opioid crisis, again, it's a massive issue affecting the majority of people it affects are 
That's Trump America. It's rural. It's working class folks. Uh, it's people who get hurt on the job and, uh, you know, are prescribed oxy. That runs out because they can't afford it or whatever it might be. Uh, heroin's the next step. Fentanyl, these kinds of things. Donald Trump's plan, uh, there are some good things. Number one, I do think he wants to hold uh, the pharmaceutical industries accountable. I don't know what that looks like exactly. He hasn't really, uh, you know, unraveled that idea. But I think that that's good. Cracking down on people who over-prescribe. Yes, yeah, and so taking a, it... That's great. I think that that. that's good. Yeah, another good thing that they put forward, one proposal is to expand Medicaid coverage for inpatient addiction treatment. Sure. Which, that's great. That's amazing if they can get it done because if that's going to cost several billions of dollars per year that's, and it's that it sounds good right and he says a lot of good shit that's right. sometimes like when he talks about things uh it it sounds good like for example just the nra stuff you know all of the well. the gun stuff with parkland where he comes out and he says you know yeah we're gonna have that we're gonna raise the age to 21 you know we're gonna possibly just go in and take that's well. not actually going and taking away guns isn't good uh but you know all that stuff that he said and then the nra yanked his chain right you know it's like he's saying all this shit and he's putting forth all this shit you know when what's gonna happen when Mark chain it yanks the chain you know? right well that's a good point and when it comes to you know going back to that point you know the nra gave him 30 million bucks uh big pharma has paid 40 million bucks over the past i think it was just the last year alone basically um for both sides of the aisle they have a lot of power they have a lot of clout and who knows maybe they get in the room and uh and donald trump just change his tune on uh, on going after them those yeah but nonetheless those are good uh, you know the one of the ironies is as well uh, with Obamacare, one of the good things it did, it would have helped when it comes to uh, coverage, when it comes to helping uh, out in the opioid epidemic. I think it did a lot of bad things, but it did do some good things. And uh, this would have been an area, ironically enough, that uh, had they not gutted uh, so much of it, they could have actually utilized it in some ways to help them with this process. This is where it gets absolutely, uh, completely insane. Number one, uh, Donald Trump is tying this to sanctuary cities. He's tying this to the heroin uh, flowing over the southern border, talking all about the wall, things like that. So he's got that aspect of it. And now he's also talking about, as I mentioned earlier, going to, talking to Xi Jinping, talking to the Philippines leader, talking to the Singapore leader, talking about bringing the death penalty for some drug dealers, which... And, and, of course, increasing, as we mentioned on the episode previous, fentanyl, for example. Now it's 40 grams for five years incarceration. He wants to take that back to two grams. I got a message from an EMT that I read on the last episode in the email section saying that two grams is a lot of fentanyl. Most likely you're a dealer. I don't know if five years uh, is, uh, is the right answer. Once again, because I don't believe we're going to incarcerate our way out of this problem. But the death penalty idea is completely insane. It's extremely expensive. Mm. I mean, you don't just get sentenced to death in this country. As a matter of fact, Marcus, can you Google Oklahoma? They're trying to murder people uh, with nitrogen now because they can't get any deals on pharmaceutical drugs. So they want to put people to death using nitrogen. Jesus Christ. Yes. Uh, and That's uh, true. That's true. It's absolutely true. insane. You, you tend to be on death row for around 15, 20 years after the appeals. Uh, you get, you, constitutionally, you get, you get appeals. It's, it's, it's expensive. It is uh, completely uh, not going, it's just not going to stop this problem. It's anti-American. And the fact, again, that we have a president, just like if you are a Trump supporter, just get the idea that Donald Trump is even in the picture. Just think about a U.S. president going over to China and coming back and taking their ideas. Mm. I mean, this is so horrible. And the fact that we see people going along with it is just a testament to how much power 
the or just the ability to manipulate folks uh, and the ability for people to allow themselves to be manipulated so that they don't feel as if they made a horrible decision. It's a strongman bravado thing that it's he's got nuts. going on. It's a, it's so it, it's very opposite of Obama, right? Yes. And I, I mean, we talked about this when Obama was in office. There were times where I was like, show some more. Like, well, he was an emotional president in a lot of ways, specifically when it came to police violence. Uh, but there were times, too, where he was just so robotic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, just be a person. And remember when I always said how much I liked that? Yeah, you liked that. <laughs> Donald Trump is a person. You know, I will. I'll give him that. A dumb. Uh, I can definitely a, a imagine. With a lot of dumb ideas. I can definitely case. imagine Donald Trump taking a dump more than I can imagine Barack Obama. Yes, I agree. (laughs) Definitely different styles on that, too. I am sure. I think, yeah. Well, who knows? I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it, but it's easier with Donald Trump, right? One person takes more time than the other. (laughs) That's all I'm... That's what what I think. So when it comes to the drug issue, when it comes to the opioid epidemic, Donald Trump promised to do something, and very similar to what happened with with the gun policy, the decisions that are being made are completely... Benefiting those who are in power, specifically people like Jeff Sessions. You know, we talk about it all the time, Core Civic, Geo Group, those private prison complexes. They're going to be seeing a uptick in residence because a lot of the people that are being detained now, obviously a lot of undocumented people, when it comes to the war on drugs, this is a, it will there will be people who are targeted more than other people who are targeted. You look back at Sheriff Joe Arpaio in Arizona. The guy that Donald Trump pardoned for no reason whatsoever. Uh, The man was in contempt of court and should have gone to jail. That's exactly what they do. They use these policies to over-police certain communities, and you know what those communities are. They're not Swedish. Uh, And that's exactly what's going to happen here. So we're we're on phase two of the war on drugs, and Donald Trump, the president of the United States, has just added the death penalty uh, to it. To the mix. To I the mean, mix. I don't think it's ever going to get through. Uh, I don't think we're ever going to see the death penalty for drug dealers uh, here in this country. If it does, very then dangerous. that is. If if that does happen, that is going to be a very. It's going to be a big line to cross uh, for America. Like, I, I think if we cross that line, uh, that is going to be a, a huge, huge deal because well, that, that's because yeah. then. When is how far is it going to go? Absolutely. You know how much how much further down are you? Are they going to be willing to go for the death penalty? How many different oh, things? Oh sure, of course. Are it's we gonna, horrible. Yeah, how many different things are we going to decide uh, to use the death penalty for? Well, you know, I mean, the the theory here that drug dealers cause all these deaths because obviously they're the they're the ones giving the drugs to these people who then freely use it. Um, is yeah, where does it end? Do yeah. you do you then go after McDonald's? Just do we do we actually go after the thing that feeds the president? Uh, because no no denying heart disease, obesity, uh, diabetes, all of those things. Do we go after Frito Lay's? Do we go after soda companies? If you just want to go after um, individuals who provide a product that may cause death, uh, it's really that's a good point. It's a super slippery slope. And again, incarceration, in my personal opinion, is just not the answer uh, in this case whatsoever. And they're going to use these laws. They're going to use these very loose laws to prey on certain people in this community. And given the stance on sanctuary cities, all of this uh, anti-Hispanic rhetoric, anti-immigration rhetoric, 
you know exactly who they're going after. You know exactly who they're going to be targeting, and they're going to use it the exact same way they used it on the blacks in the in the 80s uh, and 90s. Uh, they are going to prey on poor communities that uh, that are in the crosshairs politically at this point. Mm-hmm. Their entire goal is to put more people in prison for yep. longer periods of time. That's and that's exactly what's going to happen. And the irony in this case is it's also going to be wrapping up a lot of poor whites. A lot of those uh, individuals, as I said earlier, who supported Donald Trump, a lot of middle class workers, a lot of factory workers, a lot of truck drivers, a lot of the people who uh, come back from war veterans. Uh, it's just going to affect so many people. This wide sweeping policy, it's, it's absolutely going in the wrong direction. We almost had you. We thought we could figure out this criminal justice reform idea, but it never it seems to be going anywhere because the power that be, as we just said, the powers that be have a vested interest in keeping people incarcerated and their base. There is a base of support that just love to see uh, people get punished. We don't have a re- we don't have a rehabilitation system. We have a punishment based system, and it's just human nature. And I'll never, we all. I mean, I get it. You know, we all love to see our, you know, some people be tarred and feathered uh, at times because we like like Shirelli, mm-hmm. you know, farmer bro, guy getting seven years, watching him cry was fun. We all liked it. It's not good. I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy that there's a sad human being on earth, but you know. It's fun to watch Martin <laughs> Scarelli cry a little bit, you know, and find out the Wu-Tang album that he bought was probably fake. Yeah. So I get it. But uh, that's that's where we're at. And that's, you know, Donald Trump promised to do a lot of things. And uh, it's just unfortunate his policies um, don't coincide with rational thought and don't coincide with actually solving this issue. And don't actually coincide with the majority of Americans. No, definitely you not. Know, like so many of us. Even like- his supporters. This really, if you're his supporters, I just don't see how they're cheering it. Um, some are obviously. I'm sure some are not. But. Some are, uh, but there so few of his policies track with every with the majority of Americans. So few they track with the majority of his supporters. You know, he's still what is his uh, approval rating among Republicans? Eighty percent, eighty five percent. Might even oh. be closer to ninety. Um, That's always tough. Yeah, it goes up. And, well, I mean, obviously, you know, let's just hit on this just quick. When it comes to the Republicans, uh, he might see some primary competition he might, with yeah. Jeff Flake uh, and uh, and John Kasich. I don't know what the heck that'll do. Both of them already, well, Flake, but uh, Kasich, Kasich already lost to him in 2016. And uh, Jeff Flake, he he's not running for Senate because he doesn't think he's going to win. So I don't know exactly what they do. Maybe they maybe they peel away some support, but or I, Donald Trump just destroys two more people in a primary and feels better than ever because he gets to make up names and do whatever. I don't know. I, what I would love to see in if they did primary this guy, uh, <laughs> what I would love to see is uh, them taking the gloves off because I think during the uh, last Republican primaries they were all trying to be the adult in the room. Uh, they were all try- they, none of them were playing his game. But well, you know what? That's the thing about Trump's game is that he's actually not that good at playing it. He's just the only one that's playing it. Everyone, he loves to be filthy. Yeah, everyone, he likes it. Yeah, but nobody else is playing that game. And I want to see somebody play that game with him. And that's why mm. I was so excited for Al Franken. That's, I know. <laughs> that's why I was so. That's why I wanted Al Franken. That's uh, that's why I was so excited because Al Franken knows how to play that game. He knows how to be filthy. Yeah, and he knows how to be a child. And that's what we need. <laughs> we need a child <laughs> to take on a child. We need a smarter child. There it is. All right. Also, just finally, Larry Kudlow looks like he's going to be in charge 
of uh, of economics. Uh, you know, the guy's got a, as Marcus was pointing out before the show, not a great track record of getting things right. I've met him a couple of times. I met John Bolton, as a matter of fact. I did Red Eye with him a bunch. Nice guy. I mean, completely insane yeah, on a lot of yeah. things. But Kudlow, same way, very nice guy. And yeah. uh, he was actually against the tariffs. This is another situation where Donald Trump is bringing in people who don't agree with him, which sounds good. But it, it just historically, in the small history that we have with Donald Trump, he 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 tires yeah. of people who disagree with him. I think in theory, he likes it. I yeah. think he thinks that he is strong enough to be with people who disagree with him. But in practice, uh, in practice, he hates it. Yeah, someone. So told who knows how long Larry will be there? Yeah, who who knows? But yeah, a, a short history of uh, Larry Kudlow's is at ninety three when uh, Clinton increased the top tax rate uh, that gave <coughs> us you know huge economic growth and a surplus. Kudlow said that that was going to tank the economy. Uh, then in uh, two thousand and eight, he said that uh, there was no recession coming. Uh, that uh, the pessimistas are wrong it's Uh-oh. not going to happen and then of course the gigantic crash happened in 2008 and he's got at least a couple of other uh gigantic boners when it comes to uh, predictions as far as the economy goes this guy is not good at what he does and he's a, a bad choice uh I and will possibly say, one of the people they're going to march us towards the second great depression i i will say uh his ultimate goal is to get the corporate tax rate down to 15 percent it's now 21 percent okay so that's interesting and he does want to make the middle class tax cuts he does want to make them permanent um but of course the corporate tax cut is already permanent i it, it just we i, I like the idea stuff. of ma- i feel like it should be reversed yeah where it should be permanent for the middle class and uh and have much more flexibility for the corporate uh tax but he does want to do that so uh i think against the steel tariffs much uh you know much more of a globalist to use that word uh than donald trump so we'll see i it, it, i know he's just a C, he's a cnbc guy mm-hmm. he also wants to put pete hegseth who's a fox and friends contributor who i also know is not exactly the most moral Christian, um, but I won't get into that. Um, but uh, he wants to make him the head of the VA, so he really is choosing a lot of these people from uh, the shows. He's choosing the he's so. choosing the people that make him feel good. Well, fingers crossed, I could be the next communications director. Hey, yeah, that would be you, if you, you just get rid of get rid of whole picks. Bring in Kessel. Oh yeah, see if you can get me as head of FCC. You want that? Yeah. All right, you're in. <laughs> Thank you. All right. That's uh, basically the news of the week. A lot of stuff to get to. Um, thanks so much for listening, everyone. Uh, find us all on social media, Marcus Parks for everything. Ben Kissel, Ben Kissel 1 on Instagram, Ben Kissel on Twitter. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Hail yourselves, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.